Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Now available on Apple Podcasts, Podcast One, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. Brockovich. Welcome to Superman's Not Coming. I think we're all beginning to realize that we are on our own, but not to worry. We have each other. That's right. You, me, and millions of others are here, and we do have the strength, the heart, and the courage to find our voice and use it. For over 20 years, I've been working with people across the nation and around the world to overcome incredible odds I hope you will listen to these tales of men and women just like you who did just that. They rose up, they spoke up, and they didn't wait for a superhero. They became that hero. Each of us has a fighting spirit, and when joined together, it's greater than any superpower. So what are you waiting for? Be inspired and be empowered, because Superman isn't coming, but you're already here. And my first guest, what a trailblazer. She's figured it out. Super Nan's not coming, but she's here. She rose and she did. Welcome, Senator Barbara Boxer. Senator Boxer represented the state of California from 1998 to 2017. Early in her political career, she embraced the slogan, Barbara Boxer, gives a damn. I love that. And Mm -hmm. she does. I got to know the Senator when she chaired the Senate Environmental Committee and heard testimony from my friend, Trevor Schaefer, a young man who was battling brain cancer. Trevor's law was a big step in identifying cancer clusters. And with the help of the Senator, someone who gave a damn, Trevor's law was signed into law in 2016. The battle rages on. Senator, thank you for being here today. Thank you for all that you have done and joining me, and especially for being someone who gave a damn. Oh, you're so wonderful. First of all, talk about trailblazers. Let's not, let's look at who's doing the calling of a trailblazer. I knew about you before, you know, I did the things I did. And what your story in bringing justice to people without a voice and that story being told so broadly through that incredible movie. So, you know, you you need to know that your story inspired me and so many like me because once I was in a position to actually get something done, um, I felt so good about it because I knew how people are suffering out there with without a voice. So I just want to thank you so much uh, for the work you did. So it's kind of a mutual admiration society going on here. Well, perfect. And thank you for that. And so, you know, I've always said, somebody asked me uh, when I pass away, what would be my epitaph? And I would say someone who gave a damn. I love and it. And so I love it as well. And there's just that camaraderie that exists between us and between so many countless women out in the world who are rising and using their voices. So for you, how did being a woman and being a mom and everything that we're talking about in a trailblazer, uh, 
you know, sculpt you or influence your viewpoint or push you to becoming that senator? Well, thank you for the question. And, you know, when you're doing things, as you well know, uh, when you're doing something, you're not thinking about why am I doing this? You know, what is it going to mean? You just have that feeling inside, as you did, that Correct. I'm going to make things right. And, you know, the wonderful thing that happens is, and it doesn't happen every time, believe me, when I voted against the war in Iraq, uh, one of 23 in the Senate, uh, my constituents were really angry at me. They thought I was wrong. I had 80% of the people wanted me to vote I. So there are times when you put it on the line. But why Why in my story? And I wrote about, I wrote, I wrote, um, an autobiography called The Art of Tough. And I think what I found out about myself is that once I think something is wrong, I get, I focus on it and I, I get so upset about it that I turn that into action. And, you know, I'm so, I'm proud of some of the things I got done. I didn't get done everything I wanted, but Trevor's Law was one example where, uh, my friend Susan Rosser and you uh, talked to me about Trevor. I met Trevor. Here's a young man that had the worst kind of cancer. It's a miracle he pulled through, thank God. Mm -hmm. um, why did he get it? He swam in a river, for goodness sake, or a lake. But was it a lake or a river? I can't remember. But uh, the, the, There's rivers um, up to that area. That the river, been, yes. where they were dumping the mining waste. Well, right. you're not supposed to do that. And um, it has ramifications. So, so you're asking me, why do, how did I get to be who I am? Well, when I started out, the war in Vietnam was raging and I had little kids and I thought, this is never going to end. It went on and on and on. I, I, I just have to work for people who bring this thing to an end. And that's how it got started. You know, it started in local government, then I went to the Congress, then to the Senate. And every time it was just something inside me saying, you got to fix this, Barbara, at least you got to try to fix it. And, you know, working with people like you, that's an enormous benefit because my great untold secret to why I got things done is I had people like you who brought me issues. I remember on that Trevor Law, you brought me a map and you showed me. Mm -hmm where all this was going on, this dumping uh, of, 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 of waste and, and why we needed to make sure this, this didn't happen in the future and that we could clean these hotspots up. So it's a combination of being personally moved and touched by something, knowing the people out there who are the experts who could really help you sharing the issue with people and then working quietly behind the scenes to put together the coalitions to get it done. So you bring up so many points that, uh, that I, I think they all tie together between that guttural instinct, and oftentimes mm -hmm. women are really good about that, and they, they get on it and they won't get off of it. And, you, and that's a good thing because oftentimes they get pushed back on and many times we'll let it go. But they have that stick to that I always talk about that obviously you have, and that's just that dogged persistence and determination, especially when human health or people are being harmed or your child. And we find that courage amidst like the percentage of the others that want to push that voice down. Oh, and yeah. so I think that is something that 
as we peel back the layers of an onion and get to the core of why oftentimes we don't speak up, it, you exhibited that courage because we're afraid to, because we'll be labeled or, you know, you're going to get critiqued and pushed on to keep that courage and pushing back. Oh, brother, you just, as you were talking about this, in my mind's eye, I saw all the times that people tried to shut me up. <laughs> um, well, look, you can find examples all over the place. It could start, when I got elected to the Senate was the year of the woman. Why did I get elected? Really, it wasn't just my winning personality. It was Anita Hill. And Anita uh -huh. Hill had the courage even though she knew her life could be made miserable, which it has been made miserable, even though she's overcome it, um, because she told the truth about someone right. in power. And she wouldn't stop. She wouldn't, she wouldn't shut up. And, um, you know, it, it, there are, we, we women, if you go through history, and it's such a struggle, Erin. I've often say to my daughter and my son, it's under underestimated the kind of battle women have faced from the time of our fighting for the vote. We didn't get the vote till 1921. Men had the vote. Uh, women didn't have the vote and had no power whatsoever. Women were force fed because they wouldn't shut up. They were <laughs> lobbying in front yeah. of the White House. Woodrow Wilson, who had promised them the vote, said no, arrested them. They were force fed in jail. I mean, it's been a struggle. So what is it inside some of us um, and a lot of us? I think it's this sense of right and wrong, which you get from your parents, you, you know, usually, or somebody who mentored you, uh, schooled somebody in your life that said, if you see something wrong, you cannot turn away. Like Martin mm -hmm. Luther King said, you know, it's, it, bad things happen when good people do nothing. And so the way I would approach my legislation with that kind of spirit inside me was be nice, be sweet, get it started, try to make the moral argument. But if people stand in your way and everything's at stake, like we reformed the toxic laws in my last year I was there and there was the chemical people were pushing so hard to beat me and they peeled off some of people I thought were my friends. What I mm. did was I exposed the evil. I got the proof that they were writing memos and, and I, I played hardball. So it, it starts off with a sense inside you of right and wrong and also the sense that people will try to shut you up. That's what they do. Look what right. they tried to do to you. I mean, anybody who's trying to bring about change for most of the people and goes up against the money and the special interests, um, they're going to get it. And right. they just have to not be afraid because they're bullies. And when you stand up to bullies, you win. You know, and that's really hard for some of us to learn. And I've learned that throughout, you know, my 25 years in my work is that the, the bullying tactics can be very personal. Oh, yeah. And, um, you know, for me, when I'm standing on principle, I'm not going to back off. And I, I, because you just stay gutturally with what you know. And I've seen women, um, you know, my book is coming out in August called Superman's Not Coming, Our yep. National Water Crisis and what we, the people can do about it. 
And oftentimes we look, I don't know, for someone to come fix it or save us or give us permission. And what I've learned is what we're really looking for is support. And when women support each other and come out in numbers, they, they find that courage because they have the support of others. And then they get really strong when they're together. Well, Erin, that is, it's such a good point you're making. And when I, when I think about the moment that I grew up, okay, when I grew up, it's not a certain age. It could be any age. In my case, it may have been probably, I'd say, in my 30s that I really grew up. And it goes right to your point about Superman's not coming. You know, my whole life, I, I had loving parents and they were there to take care of something went wrong. I, I married young, still married to Stu, all these millions of years later. And, you know, I, always had that. I had that support. But when it came to certain things, those weren't the right people. I had to do it myself. When I decided that I was going to do my part to end the war in Vietnam, how could I even do it? Well, I got into politics, but when I grew up was the time I looked over my shoulder and nobody was coming. You know, I looked over my shoulder, who's going to do this? Uh, you have to do it, Barbara. You're now grown up and you have kids and you, you know how you feel and you know what's wrong. So it is that moment. And I love that title of your book. It's brilliant. Um, it's, it, it's a call to individual action. And I think we're seeing now Right. The demonstrations, when people saw a grown man lying on the ground, gasping and saying, Mama. No, no. It was I mean, beyond heart-wrenching. You talk about a call that Superman's not coming. No, we have to be the Superman. We have right. to be the person that says, no, this is too much. This is wrong. On its right. face, wrong. And so I think that call to action that you're talking about, we're starting to see it now. And I would love to see it more in the environmental movement, which, which has been many ways overlooked because this president is so god-awful and you know, separating kids in cages from their parents. It, it's hard to get attention paid to the danger that we're facing. Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. In the national water crisis. I mean, this is something that affects us all. And I've never been a fan of politics being involved with water. It doesn't really matter what side of the aisle you're on or the color of your skin or how much money you have in the bank account. It's water. It's life. And how during like right now and looking at so many rollbacks in our regulations and how do we get back to fixing what is broken and back to the issue of the environment in a really tumultuous time in this country. Right. Well, if it was a few years ago when you asked me that, I'd have a different answer. We, you know, we would have had Trump in the beginning and I would have said, we have to do this. We have legislation. Right now, my opinion is we have to get rid of this guy. We have to beat him solidly uh, with Joe Biden who will pick someone to head the EPA who isn't a puppet of the coal industry, which is Mm -hmm. what is going on now. It is the biggest scandal. And, you know, it hasn't been written about enough. What they have done with the environment is that he's put everyone in place who is fighting the environmental movement, who is a tool 
of the polluters who cares nothing about the health and safety of the people. That's the fact. So what can I tell you? I mean, I am focused on November 3rd. We need to, every day there's another executive order. They're trying to roll back fuel economy standards. Everyone is taking them to court, the Enviros, which is great, the Sierra Club, other groups, but they're still doing it. They've approved now pesticides that were on the list to be banned by Obama. They've let them go. This, this, this is an outrage. Killing people for profit. You don't need to use these particular pesticides. There are other ways. And so my answer is, what do you do? I don't care whether you're a Republican, whether you're not registered as a, either you're declined to state or a Democrat or a Green or whatever you are. We have to make sure that we have a change in November, because if we don't, I don't really think we will survive. You know, Aaron, the other day I made a list of every way this president is killing us. It's not mm-hmm. a statement. The way he handled COVID, we are oh, leading yes. the world in deaths. America. And then this business of, uh, of not standing up to Putin, uh, when he's putting a, a bounty on the heads of our soldiers, there, there are reports that several died. No action on sensible gun laws. Gassing our kids in the street. And add to that, you know, rally, rolling back environmental laws that you and I fought for. It's amazing mm-hmm. Trevor's law hasn't been rolled back yet. But everything that he can do by executive order, see, if you don't have, if the, he really can't roll back Trevor's law because it's in the law, he would have to have congressional action. But he has so much power to roll back a lot of things. And they're oh, yeah. in court. But so, so that's a very long speech. But you have to forgive me. I'm a former senator. Oh. <laughs> but the bottom but line is November 3rd. That's the bottom line. So... So that's, you know, for the, about the last, you know, I think 10 minutes that, that I have the privilege of having you here with me and because it's very inspirational. And I think that's something that's hard to cut through, but if we can get there, it makes all the changes in the world. Um, talking about voting and people feeling the frustration of, you know, all the issues or their vote doesn't really count and getting down to the, the overwhelmingness of fear and who to trust and who to believe yeah. and that that where they just kind of give up moment it doesn't really make a difference where and how do we keep that fire alive yeah. in everyone well i'm going to be just very blunt about it um we've had a leader here for several years now who has divided us like no other president now i served with five presidents three republicans and two democrats and I didn't agree with them on a, a lot of the time, even the Democrats. I, I stood up on many occasions. Um, of course, I disagreed more with uh, Ronald Reagan when he wanted to do away with the National Endowment of the Arts, when he said, if you've seen one tree, you've seen them all. You know, I had <laughs> real problems with that. Um, he didn't say the word AIDS for five years. But every single one of these presidents, I am telling you, wanted to expand their base and unify the country behind them. The big stark difference with this president 
there's two. One is he lies so much that we've lost track. It could be 20,000 lies, which is so disrespectful to the people. But the other one is his blatant desire to divide the country, whether it's, you know, you name the issue. Race is certainly the big one. Um, you know, it's saying that we're going to take away gun rights if we want to do some simple things like make sure uh, there's registration and, and, and make sure that you, you can limit how, what your capacity is in your magazines. I mean, no one's taking away guns. We just want to make sure they're safe. He will divide us. Oh, they're coming to take your guns. No, we're not. That's not true. Um, on the environment, he, you know, he, he's called us every name in the book. You know, we're socialists because we want clean air, clean water for everybody. So, so to me, I don't, again, I don't care what your philosophy is. This is a man who divides us. And we're weak when we're divided. Correct. Take the issue of masks. Everybody knows right. that like AIDS, they were condoms. And I hate it. I was so embarrassed because I was a, I was embarrassed to say that when I was a congresswoman because I was young and I had to say it out loud. Use a condom. That's not what I thought I was elected to say. But <laughs> there was no leadership for years until Rock Hudson got AIDS. And then the president was strong. But every president tried to pull us together. And I would say beyond any, any philosophy who has compassion, who tries to bring us together, and who isn't in it for himself. I mean, no matter what happens, he essentially said, if you wear a mask, you're saying you're not for me. Well, that is beyond insane. It's the only tool we have now. Not only right. to protect right. others, but to protect ourselves. And I was glad to see the Republicans in the Senate take him on finally on that, although they did it with the baby words. But it's okay. Um, well, you know, so there, that's there, why there, I say, yeah, that's why to me it's a simple choice. And you have to vote. It's, it's all we have. It's all we have. We don't have anything else. We're a representative democracy, and that's all we have. There. There has been such a disconnect between our government and we, the people. I think there's hope right now, as we discussed a moment ago, where America is waking up and we're yeah. seeing that play itself out in front of us where we, the people again, and I say this all the time, I'm a, I'm a big advocate for the judicial system. I am. And the law. And when I go to DC and I see that seal by the people, for the people, we, the people, yes. It still means everything to me. And we, the people, I want them to know, and I know this is exactly how you feel. They, they do have that voice. They do have that vote. They do have the ability, especially in numbers, to rise up. That's what's been missing, if you ask me. Whether we got comfortable, complacent, or we are fearful from what we're being told, we are starting to rise. And I think I that could be the greatest movement of all. Well, yes. And, 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 and again, we're not asking for much to want a, a leadership that doesn't kill us. That's number one. <laughs> do no harm. Yes. The Hippocratic Oath, you know? Please deal with this virus, with the scientists don't make it political. It has zero to do with politics. Um, and, and I just think, you know, I love, I'm teaching a class this semester at USC 
in politics, and it's, it's called Demystifying <laughs> Politics and Governance. And in my first class, I start on Labor Day, we're going to read the preamble. And I urge everybody to... Yeah, where's mind. this class? Can you say it again? Can, can we all join in? Well, it's USC. It's a, okay. I, I, I don't know if they allow people to join in, but it's a USC class, and it's, um, we're hoping to do some of it in person. We're praying that could work out. Uh, but some of it will be in person. Some will be online. It's a small class um, for the political science uh, department. But the point, the, the reason when you said we the people, and it gives me the chills as it does, mm-hmm. um, if you read and everyone within the sound of our voice, if they would read the preamble, I read it, <laughs> I memorized it, I read it the other day uh, out loud on some programs. I, was, I think it was a podcast. And, um, but if you read that preamble, you recognize exactly what this country's about and what the founders uh, wanted. So. Well, absolutely. And, you know, we can close out there. My heart is breaking. And as I was talking to you before we came on, when I have discussions with my friends outside of any politics, it's just this deep, deep sadness. And we aren't, as a people, wanting to rise from hatred. And we're seeing so much of that divisiveness, but rather rise from love. I think that we as people do that. And as we find each other again, and our hearts, our hearts and our voice and our courage, we'll get back to it. I think of the Wizard of Oz all the time. We could have a whole other conversation about that. But you know what? Mm -hmm. COVID has given us a moment to really look behind that curtain. And I think now that we see that, that we the people, we will remember, we've always had a heart. We've always had the courage. And we certainly have the brains to find our way back. And it will be through rising up and born of love. Yeah, born of love. Take that love to the polls and read the preamble, which says, we the people in order to form a more perfect union. And that is, uh, those words are so powerful. Our founders had a lot of faults. That's for sure. We know that now. But they knew it wasn't a perfect union. And that's a humble thing. They didn't say, you know, we the people you know, love our perfect union. No, they knew it wasn't. So they said, we the people in order to form a more perfect union. So finding that love, as you say, rising up with that love and taking it to the polls for ourselves and our posterity. That's really what it's about. And that's the word that we get out. And that's what we can close with. I, I find you so inspirational. And I, and I jumped in on that USC class because I want to come take the class. Um, but that's, well, you know, that's I'm what sure we they'll need. let you do that. It's <laughs> okay. once a week. I'm sure they'll let you look at it. Not that you need. You have too much on your plate as it is. But I think it's going to be fun to, uh, we're going to look at the election, but we're also going to look at issues in depth. And I want the young people to understand just what you've been saying, that it's up to us. There it isn't is. any stupid man, it's you. <laughs> you. You become that hero. And I believe that from, uh, from the bottom of my heart. I will be out Thank voting you, and I encourage everyone to vote. I'm so thankful for your message. And I'm going <laughs> to laugh. My takeaways today, definitely, and I already knew, wear a mask, but use the condom. <laughs> 
that was I know, but that was, because that was the only thing that they could do then. They didn't have any drugs like now. This was the right. thing they could do. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll tell you what, you know, um, badass Senator Boxer, that yeah. um, badass was driven from, from love and a solid heart and a lot of courage. I thank you. I miss seeing you and, and miss uh-huh. you being in Washington, but I'm so glad your voice is still here. It makes a big difference. Still here, Aaron. Keep it up. We rise strong. Okay. Right. Thank you, Senator Bye. Boxer. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.